everybody. Welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen, and today is September 3rd. Before we jump in today, I just wanted to make a quick announcement about the launching of our Facebook and our Instagram account. My new friend Abby and I are going to be running this account so that we can have a place to come together and to share insights into the Come Follow Me blog for this week. Also, I've had a lot of people ask me to share specifically the talks that my quotes come out of. And so this will be a good place for me to either link those talks or to completely reference those talks, the name of the talk, where they came from, when they came from, so you guys can find them more easily. So I would invite you guys to search Facebook or Instagram for Come Follow Me Daily Dose Podcast and to follow us and to interact with us a little more. I'm really excited about this aspect of this podcast. I love to interact and to talk about the scriptures and to get in discussions about gospel principles. So I'm really excited about that. So today, you guys, we're going to jump into Helaman chapter 15. Now, Helaman chapter 15 on the surface seems much the same as everything that we've been talking about with Samuel the Lamanite. He's still up on a wall. He's still commanding the Nephites to repent. He is still speaking the words which the Lord has put into his heart. But there was something that really stood out to me here in his call to repentance of the Nephites. Chapter 15, verse 3 says, Yea, woe unto this people who are called the people of Nephi, except they shall repent when they shall see the signs and wonders which shall be shown unto them. For behold, they have been a chosen people of the Lord. Yea, the people of Nephi hath he loved, And also, hath he chastened them? Yea, in the days of their iniquities, hath he chastened them, because he loveth them. But behold, my brethren, the Lamanites hath he hated, because their deeds have been evil continually, and because of the iniquity of the traditions of their fathers. Okay, there are several things in those verses that really stand out to me. But first and foremost, I want to address verse 4 where Samuel the Lamanite says that the Lord hated the Lamanites. Now, first of all, I think that Samuel is trying to get the attention of the Nephites. And if you'll remember, the Nephites and the Lamanites kind of have a history of hatred. So I think that that would be kind of a shocking moment for the Nephites, for them to hear, hey, yeah, the Lord hated the Lamanites too. But that being said, I don't think that that word hate is accurate there. Time after time, modern day prophets and apostles have taught us about the love that Heavenly Father has for his children, even his children who are straying, even his children who are wandering, even his children who are struggling. So I don't think hate is necessarily the right word there. But what I was thinking about today as I was pondering this phrase where Samuel says that the Lord hated the Lamanites is that God's love is unconditional. However, we see in the scriptures that his favor is not unconditional, that God favors those who are obedient. Now, to be honest, there are scriptures out there that talk about obedience and God's love. For example, if ye keep my commandments, then ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Or if ye keep not my commandments, the love of the father shall not continue with you. But there are far more scriptures that talk about blessings that come as we love God and obey him. For example, I, the Lord, am bound when ye do what I say, but when ye do not what I say, you have no promise. Or if ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. 
If ye shall take my yoke upon you, then ye shall find rest to your souls. Now, this should not be surprising to anyone who is a parent or anyone who has parents. This is the way parents work with their children in order to help them learn, in order to help them grow, in order to help them not become entitled or spoiled. We teach them, if you do this chore, then you are going to get this reward. It helps them understand choice and consequence. And it's no different with our Father in Heaven. Doctrine and Covenants section 130 says, There is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven before the foundations of the world, upon which all blessings are predicated. And when we obtain any blessing from God, it is by obedience to that law upon which it is predicated. That is how God's kingdom works. That is how God works. He has laws and he gives us laws. And when we obey those laws, there are specific blessings tied to them that we can receive for ourselves. Now, when we don't obey those laws, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us, but it might mean that we lose a trust with him. Think about it with your own kids. Say you tell your teenager, you can go out on Friday night, you can take my car, but you have to be back by 11 and you have to bring my car back with a full tank of gas. Now imagine your kid comes back, it's 1230, car is on empty. Do you love your kid any less? Absolutely not. You still love your kid. But next week when your kid wants to take your car and go out again, are you going to let him? Probably not. That trust has been broken. Those gifts that you're willing to give that child have been diminished, but your love for that child hasn't. So I think sometimes we kind of blur that line between God's love and God's favor. And whereas God always loves us, sometimes by our choices, we are not always receiving all the blessings that he has in store for us. Something else that really stands out to me here is Samuel's reminder that the Lord is going to chasten the people that he loves. Now, I used to be a basketball player, and one of my favorite quotes that I would remind myself of is, if a coach chews you out, consider it a compliment, because if he wasn't interested, he wouldn't bother. And it's that same kind of philosophy here. If God didn't love us, if he didn't care about our eternal exaltation and our eternal progression, he wouldn't bother telling us what we are messing up in. He wouldn't bother calling us to repentance. He wouldn't bother asking us to change. But he does care. It does matter to him. It is of eternal importance to him. And because of that, he loves us enough that he is willing to correct us, willing to reach out, willing to call us back, willing to send people into our lives to ask us to repent. That's another evidence to me that God didn't hate the Lamanites. If God hated the Lamanites, he would not have sent missionary after missionary after missionary, reaching out, calling them to repentance, trying to call them back into his fold. He wouldn't have bothered. But because the Lord loved them, he chastened them. He called them to repentance. He was consistently reaching out his arm. And now here he is doing the exact same thing to the Lamanites. He loves them enough that he is willing to place Samuel on that wall and give him a verbal smackdown. And as hard as it is to hear sometimes, he loves us enough to give us a verbal smackdown sometimes too. He loves us enough to teach us about what we are doing wrong. But we have to be willing to hear it. We have to be willing to ask. And we have to be willing to make those changes. Elder Christofferson said, 
I would like to speak of one particular attitude and practice we need to adopt if we are to meet our Heavenly Father's high expectations. It is this, willingly to accept and even seek correction. Correction is vital if we would conform our lives unto a perfect man, that is, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Paul said of divine correction or chastening, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Though it is often difficult to endure, truly we ought to rejoice that God considers us worth the time and trouble to correct. My friends, we have to be willing to hear and sometimes seek his correction. We have to be willing to approach our Father in heaven humbly and ask, Lord, what lack I yet? If we are humble, you and I can listen, accept, and change the things that our Heavenly Father would have us change. It takes humility, it takes courage, (laughs) and it takes trust in our Heavenly Father. Elder Scott said, This life is an experience in profound trust. To produce fruit, your trust in the Lord must be more powerful and enduring than your confidence in your own feelings and experience. When we get to the point where we can approach our Father in heaven and ask, what lack I yet? To give him that opportunity to correct us, to call us to repentance, and to ask us to change, we have to be willing to trust our Father in heaven enough to set aside our own wants, our own desires, and oftentimes what we think is the right way. But my friends, I testify that we are not in that task alone that the atonement of Jesus Christ can enable us and strengthen us to accomplish anything that the Lord asks us to do. That as he teaches us who we are to become, he can give us the power and strength to take the first step. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to subscribe, to like, to comment, or to find us on social media. This has been Come Follow Me Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.